Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Otis Hall. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be with you who are here in the auditorium and you who are at home. Um, Today, before we dig into Scripture, I want to do a little experiment. Um, And I'm going to need your participation because I don't want to do it by myself. So this is what we're going to do. In a minute, I'm going to put a picture on the screen that was part of my life for a very long time. Because you see, before I was a pastor, before I worked on human genetics, I worked in plant genetics. I was a plant scientist. And so what I'm going to put on the screen is a picture of what we would call a gel plate. And it's got some, some plants on it. This plant's called Arabidopsis. It's a weed. It's not really important for you that aren't plant geeks, but it's, it's a weed that we use to study traits. But what I want you to do is with the people who are next to you or the closest person to you, I want you to look at this plate and I want you to discuss all of the differences that you see. Can we do that? Are you ready? Go. That's not a timer. All right. And here's some whispering, there's some talking going on, that's good. Okay, all right. Those conversations could probably go on forever, but I'm curious, how many of you saw 10 things that were different in these plants? 15, 20, 30. People are laughing. I've got to do some work on plant science here. I don't know what's going on. My training, though, so when I look at this, when I look at this plate, because of the years that I, I was doing this, the years of training, the years of equipping, I could probably tell you hundreds of variations that exist on this plate. I could look at this plate and tell you that the person who plated it, whoever it was, wasn't very good at their job. <laughs> the, the top row of plants is far too crowded to be what we would call as a control. You can see that because you can see the stress and the size of the leaves on the plants. You can see how far they are away from the stem. You can see that the roots are varying in length. You can see from the bottom half of the plate that this person who was testing for drought and salinity also poured their plate wrong. Because it's stressed from this side all the way to this side where you're, it's greener. And what, what that would lead you to believe is that this side of the plate has far more resistance to drought because the roots are bifurcated and they're splitting in ways that are unnatural, but it's trying its best to survive. You see, I can see all those things because I've been equipped and I've been trained and And our role in this particular study was to create plants that were drought resistant because we had intentions of changing the world. We had intentions of being able to figure out how in deserts and places that we would be able to grow food for the world. But we didn't stop at this stage. We took the traits that we had and we moved them to greenhouses just like this. I actually worked in this actual greenhouse. And every one of these pots, every one of these plants you see is in its own individual pot with its own individual soil. Someone had to water them every day and give them nutrients as they were needed and measure their color and size and all of those things. And do you know who that person was for every plant in that greenhouse? It was me. It was a lot of work to do this every day. But then we continued to do observations in the lab and we would take them out as the plants would grow and we would still study their root size and the the height of the plant and eventually what the yield of the plant was. And what we learned from doing those things was this. 
don't underestimate the power of noticing the little things because they make a big difference. And that's whether you're talking about plants or you're talking about people. That's what I love about Jesus is that he noticed details about people, whether it was the big things or the small things. And, and he, he linked those things to things in nature like planting and harvesting because it connects us all together with him and where he's going. He paid attention. That's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on details and, and how Jesus did that. And today we're going to, we're going to do most of our um, scripture work in the book of Matthew. Um, that's the first book of the New Testament. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the one in the seat back in front of you or your phones, however you choose to do that. But today we're going to start in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And it says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. When you, when you read this text, when you hear this text read to you, I wonder, I wonder how you would answer this question. What exactly is Jesus motivated by in this passage? It's people, right? Their hurt and their pain. And he had compassion on them. He healed their diseases and their sicknesses. He focused on them because they were lost and confused and they were hurting. And he saw that. In them. But he didn't do that all alone. He did the next thing that he was supposed to do, and he took a step and he turned to his best friends and he asked them to pray. Why did he ask them to pray? Why did he ask his disciples to pray? Jesus asked him to pray them to pray for workers to address the lack of leadership and care. Because he desired leaders who would serve selflessly regardless of the state that they found people in. Jesus wanted us to pray for leaders who would model themselves after him. Leaders who would see people as they are, not for what they could get from them. He wanted leaders who would want for others, not from them. That's the kind of church that we as Autumn Ridge strive to be, a place that serves others without any ulterior motives, that wants for you and not from you. We want to be a church that sees you right where you are, but a church that's willing to help you take your next steps towards being fully devoted to Jesus. And we do that because we think in this verse and all throughout the Bible, Jesus is teaching us something. Jesus is teaching us this, that leadership is a destination of, a disciple, of discipleship. It's a journey from being a follower to be a leader, from a sheep to being a shepherd. And this is why we need leaders who are willing to impact the lives of those around them just like Jesus was. So I'll ask you again, because it's important as we move forward. What are we praying for? We're praying for this. We're praying for leaders who want to serve people, leaders who have a heart for people like Jesus did. 
And I want you to hold on to that thought about what it is that Jesus had the disciples prayed for, what Jesus prayed for as we delve into a story that Jesus told, a parable, a challenging story that he told. And we know that Jesus told lots of these stories over his life, and some, I'm sure, weren't captured, but some were, and this one was. And you should know that Jesus didn't just tell these stories to entertain the crowd until the food showed up. He told these stories because he wanted them to have an impact on our lives. And this story was so impactful that not one, not two, but three of the gospel writers included it for us. It had such an impact on Matthew, Mark, and Luke that they all told this story. It's one of my favorite parables, and it's not just because I'm a plant geek and it's all about harvest and seed. It's because it's impactful. And maybe some of you have heard this parable before. We, we call it the parable of the sower. You would especially have heard it if you grew up in church. And, but the question that we should always, always ask ourselves when we read Scripture or hear Scripture taught is that, is there a difference between hearing it and understanding what Jesus is trying to say to us in this moment? Let's read together Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all, pe all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell amongst the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil while it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. When you, when you hear this parable, this story that Jesus told what do you think the focus of this story is? It's the seed, right? It has to be the seed. The seed is everywhere. It, it was what was scattered by the farmer. It's on the path. It's in the rocky places. It's in the thorns. It's what produces the harvest. In reality, it represents the gospel in our lives. So surely for the farmer, it has to be the main concern, right? Isn't that what it is? It's got to be the seed. Or maybe if you've heard this parable taught before, maybe you were taught or you believe that what Jesus wants us to understand is that this is about our hearts. Maybe you have felt hard-hearted or shallow or thorny at times, and, and you're wondering whether your heart is prepared to open itself up to receive the word. If so, I'm so glad that you are taking the time to evaluate yourself in that way. However, I don't, I don't think that's all that Jesus is teaching us in this moment. It's not a complete understanding of what Jesus intends for us to learn from these two passages. And so let's back up a second. Let's back up and think about the farmer. Some of you grew up on farms. What's the ultimate goal of a farmer? Is it's the harvest. He's not just planting seed because his neighbor is. He doesn't want to be on seed planter monthly. He wants a harvest. Does he want a minimal harvest? Does he want the smallest harvest? What does he want? 
He wants the most abundant harvest that he can have. But what if, what if the land that he has has got places that are got hard soil or rocky soil or thorns or things that would get in the way, things that would stop him from maximizing his harvest? What would he do? What steps would he take? to ensure that his harvest was the most abundant harvest he could have. Would he just leave those spaces alone? Okay, maybe, maybe I have some ideas that'll work. Maybe, maybe you guys will think these are great ideas and, and we can market them. How about if we just fill buckets of seed up and take it to the good soil and just dump it on top? Surely that would produce a great harvest, right? The soil is ready. That would be the greatest of all harvests. Okay, so you guys don't think that that's enough. So what if I drove a dump truck full of soil into the road and just dumped it down? Surely some of that would get into the soil and the birds couldn't eat it all and the thorns couldn't take it all. So there must be a harvest that's coming, right? What would a farmer tell me if I showed up and told him that that was the idea that we had to solve his problem for the harvest? He would laugh at me. Because the farmers, they're intentional about how and where they sow their seed because it's all precious. It was even more precious in Jesus' day. And that's no different than the farmer that Jesus is telling us about today. He scatters the seed intentionally to maximize its yield. But what he's telling us is that not all the soil has been prepared to receive it. Because as a farmer, it's essential for you to have high-quality soil. You'd do anything to make it ready. You'd plow it. You'd remove the rocks and the weeds and uproot other plants if necessary. And, and in case the land was too big for you to do all that on your own, you would bring workers in in order to help you achieve the maximum result. Can I tell you that there was a moment in my life when this became really pertinent. I told you that the company invested billions of dollars in developing and producing seed that could, could yield a better crop, withstand harsh conditions. But do you know what was the most crucial aspect for the harvest? It was the soil. Our seeds could withstand many things, but if the ground was too hard or it had rocks in it or it was full of thorns or other plants, it didn't matter how well we knew the seed. The problem wasn't the seed. It was the soil that was the problem. And you know who knew that? It was the farmer. Because the farmer trusts that the seed is going to do its job. His workers trust that the seed is going to do what it's supposed to do. What the farmer cared about and paid attention to, what his workers were hired to do, is to take care of the soil. What I had done in that greenhouse with each individual pot, watering it and caring for it and weeding them, what Ken Dose and the team that work in our kingdom garden, that plot of land across the parking lot that's fenced in, that produces tons of food that we give away each year, what they do is care for the soil. They don't spend time studying the seed to see if it's going to work. They know that it is. They'll do whatever it takes to maximize the harvest because they understand how things work. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. 
This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but worries, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. When I hear this explanation of what the parable was about, do you know what it does? It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because we all know people who fall into these categories. It breaks my heart because in some places and sometimes it's okay to just leave them there. But this parable and its explanation also leaves me with questions in my mind. And maybe there are some questions that, that you have when you read it or you hear it. Shouldn't we just focus on the good soil? Isn't that what Jesus is telling us? That it's the one that's going to give the harvest, that's going to give 100 times or 60 times or 30 times what it is that's planted in it. Shouldn't that be our focus? Here's where the details come in. When you read the text, when you do a close reading of the text, what you will find is that Jesus didn't categorize any of the soil as bad. He only told us that the good soil produces fruit. So, okay, if the, if the farmer is Jesus and the seed is the word and the soil represents its ability to receive the word, what do we do with people who just can't be fruitful? Do we just forget them and focus on the good, the easy soil? Well, first, what we should understand is that there are no those people for Jesus. And what we should understand about the soil is that the composition and its makeup and its nature is exactly the same for him. There is no difference between the soil that's good soil described and the ones who have issue, the issue, the concerns and the circumstances are what stops it from being able to produce the harvest. And then we should ask ourselves, what do we do with this? How do we respond well, to do that, I want us to go back to where we began way back, four chapters ago in Matthew chapter 9, with what Jesus did. You see, Jesus went through all of the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they had been harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest was plentiful, but the workers were few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field is what he asked for us to do. See, Jesus was always compassionate in his goals and his motives. His approach to, to people was just that. He, and he encouraged us to pray for leaders that would have the same values and perspectives of him that would see people as he does. And so it's so important that we don't just focus on the good soil easy soil. We should always focus on what Jesus's outcome and intention is, and it was specific. Jesus wanted us to have a harvest everywhere, 
Because what we need to understand is that the farmer didn't sow the seed by accident. He has specific intentions on where he sowed it. And it wasn't just in the good soil. And then to make that happen, he required people who were going to come alongside him. People who were going to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty and wade into the messes of people's lives. They were going to step off the easy path into the hard, shallow, and thorny places. And I bet every time Jesus stepped into a new town or a new place where he prayed and talked about the gospel, every time he did that, he, he thought about these questions that we think about as we think about how we interact with our communities and, our, and around the globe. What are the immediate concerns that I see that cause people to be hard? What causes people's faith to shrivel and then walk away? What chokes out people's ability to let the word take root and produce a yield? And I bet everybody in this room can think of things that would cause us to harden our hearts. What about feeling ignored or replaced or forgotten? We all have times in our lives when we are so excited about something that doesn't happen either in this building or in our community, and it causes us to have a little less faith and a little less trust. We've all been in those places where we put a little too much emphasis on our personal achievements and positional power and wealth to make us feel seen and important. We have to remember even those things that we just talked about that give us comfort in life can harden us against what the gospel is asking for us to do. When you look around at your friends and your family and your neighbors, what is it that you see that stops people from being open to the word taking root? In Jesus' time, it was sickness and hunger and disease, and the people around him had all of these immediate needs, and he knew that they wouldn't be able to see who he was or take what he most wanted to give them because those things were first and primary in their life. This is why I love that we partner with places like The Landing. I love that their mission is to be a soft landing places for people who are in the condition of homelessness. This is why I love that we have social workers in our building regularly throughout the year because they are the ones who are seeing the children. This is why I love that we have social services people in our buildings because they are involved in seeing the hurt that people are having. And I know, I know that there are questions out there about why we would partner with social service organizations. Shouldn't we just focus on Christian organizations, Christ-centered organizations? And I would tell people with those questions in their mind that anything that is Christ-centered is going to be like Jesus. And that's what I think Jesus is teaching us today in these two passages, that, that he resolved people's immediate needs first so that they could be open to hear what he most wanted to give them, which was the word. And being Christ-centered, it means partnering with people who remove the rocks and remove the thorns in people's lives. It means partnering with services that can help move people from being hardened to soft and receptive. And, and all of our actions are modeled after Jesus because we love people unconditionally, regardless of their state. Our hearts should be filled with compassion, and our desire is for people to receive the gospel, but we want it to be able to take root in their hearts and change them the way that it's changed us. But all of that has to start with love. Our text today says that Jesus had compassion on them, and he should and we should because this is what compassion means. Compassion is just love plus action. 
We should all be the same way. He told us to pray for workers that would be sent. Pray that workers would see people and respond to their needs. That's the goal. We already have the perfect seed. We don't need to work on it. It's the word. We don't need to fix it. We don't need to augment it or force it into the soil. What we need to do is to get ready and roll up our sleeves and be willing to serve, to be with, to love people. We need to invest in others so that they are open like the good soil that he describes in the parable so that they can hear and receive the word. Those of you that have read about Jesus, think about how he interacted with people throughout his life. Think about the woman at the well. She certainly was hard soil. What did he do there? Did he shout louder at her? Did he, did he throw scripture at her? Did he judge her? No. He saw her. He entered into the community with her. But I get it. I get it if you were here and you grew up in a church like I grew up in, where we were taught that our primary goal is to share our faith and give people scripture until they said yes to Jesus, this might feel a little uncomfortable for you. It might feel like I'm asking you to put aside everything that you've known and everything that you were taught. You might feel like we talk a little bit too much about loving people around here and not enough about Scripture. But I want to tell you that wanting to share your faith and sharing Scripture, there's nothing wrong with that. There's good intent behind it. It is great intent. Jesus did it in the passage that we read today. But I will tell you that that's not exactly what Jesus is asking for us to do. What Jesus is saying in this parable and way back in Matthew chapter 9 is, is that workers shouldn't just look at the seed. We shouldn't spend our time studying the seed alone. We should pay attention to the condition of the soil because we don't need to do anything with the seed. More simply put, Jesus says, yes, share your faith, but workers, workers, disciples, followers, Go pull up the thorns and move the rocks and soften the soil. Do whatever it takes short of sin to open up people's heart, to be ready to receive the gospel. He wants us to not just talk about it anymore. He wants us to go and do it because we have to understand that our good intentions don't always equal impact. Think about it in your own lives. Think about it with friends and family members or people that you meet in the community that, that, are, that are sick or hurting or have depression or have physical needs like that of coats during the winter in this crazy Minnesota winter. Is the thing that would help them most for you to walk into their house or wherever you interact with them, open the Bible and just read them scripture? The intention of that is amazing. Does it make the impact that you want, that we want? We have to think about those things that make it hard for them and choke out their ability to hear so that we can make a change in their life and what we need to constantly remember, that we need to constantly push back against is that we don't have to shout louder. We don't have to force feed people scripture or what we believe about Jesus. We need to join them 
and join Jesus in seeing them and becoming servants for them and becoming workers that he prayed for so that they would be open to then hear the truth and the reason why you were doing what it is that you were doing. What we should be asking is how we can help. Where do I go to give you what you need to make the next step? Is it to the store to buy coats? Is it to buy food? Is it to to help you with your kids? Whatever that is, we need to go and do it. Okay, so some of you are hearing this in a really pedantic way, and you're like, I'm going to push back against this, so it doesn't seem right. Okay, I just, I just want to stop, because I, I want you to stop, because I want to explain this a little more clear. If you are a nurse in this room, this is why you are a nurse. It's because you care about people, and you don't want to see them hurting. If you're a social worker in this room, it's why you care about those children and the families. It's why you take the step to come into a building with people you don't know and share the needs of the families with us that are represented on those trees out there in our lobby. If you are a doctor, you do this because you care about people and you don't want them to hurt. If you are a teacher, you don't want those children to not be able to be the most that they could possibly be in their life. You do it because you care. Mom. Dads, grandparents, foster parents, play aunts, play uncles. You do this all the time. If there's someone that you care about and you recognize that there's something in their life that's keeping them from progressing, what do you do? Do you just sit and watch and pray? No. You go and you get involved. You go and do what it needs to help them move forward. That's the word taking root in you. That's you answering the call to be the worker that Jesus called us to be. If you want to know how we close the gap between intent and impact, it's by focusing on seeing people. For me, it was we spent all of that money, all of those billions of dollars on a seed that will produce a harvest that was larger. But, but what we found out and what we wish we knew from the beginning that is that all of that could be undermined. All of the power and things that are represented in that seed, and for us that's the gospel, could be undermined by the condition of the soil. Focus on the soil. For those of you that are here that feel like you need some focus, Put on you because you are struggling. What, what is it? What is it that's pressing you, keeping you, interfering with you in your life from being with Jesus and having Jesus in your heart? What, whatever that is, we want to be the place where you can come and we will help you break up and remove the obstacles and the thorns that are stopping you from being all that God wants you to be. We want to be that church that... If you are here, you interact with us in the community, that you are so grateful that we are there if we, if we would just live this out. This is why we have small groups. It's why we give away financial peace for free. It's why we do things like big boxes and angel tree and student retreats and marriage retreats and celebrate recovery and on and on and on. It's because we see you the way Jesus sees you. If you're here or at home and you feel like you've been walked or trampled on or you're hurt or there's pain in your life, we want to be the church that, can, that you can come to and find healing. Where you, where you know that we are not looking any, from anything from you, that we only want to be with you in that space and do things for you to help you move on to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. 
Whatever your situation is, we want to be that place that helps you soften to the gospel and to find joy again. And it would mean the world to us. It would mean the world to me if you would find that place here where you feel known and connected and provided for and protected. Because trust me, I know what it's like to feel like the hard soil, to have it feel like people are judging you and pounding on you and questioning you. I know what it feels like to want to find joy and peace in the place where you are. But it feels like things and people continue to stomp you down. But you know what it is that softens me? It's how God uses people. There are people in this church like Alan Alanwright, like Jan and Scott Wright, like the Hendersons and the Smiths and the Burdens and the Marys and the Quins and the McDonalds and the Olillas and the Dillons and the Gothairs and the Carlsons and the Baxters and on and on and on that have seen me and my family in the hard times. And, and they didn't just give us a pass-by prayer or quote us some scripture. They rolled up their sleeves and waded into the mess with us. And you know what this helps us do? It helps us to be open to the work that God has called us to do. It helps us to be open to stay and feel loved in this place. I know that all of the things that we're teaching about today are true because I have experienced it in this place with many of you. This is what we want to be, church. The kind of church where being around us or interacting with us helps people soften their hearts. That's what we are called to do. It's what Jesus asked us to pray for. For workers that will see and engage and love and lead people. and, And it's so important today because if you look around our country, we are a thorny, rocky, hard soil kind of place right now. Depression. Mental illness, drug addiction, food insecurity, sexism, racism, tribalism, fear, distrust, misinformation. All of that has strangleholds on us in this country right now. But what Jesus wants us to ask is, who are the people that are ready to roll up their sleeves and say, I'm willing to do the work to prepare the soil so they can know the truth and be open to it? Maybe that's you today. If that resonates with you, then start today. In our lobby and our cafe, we've identified ways that you can help, that we can help, that we can make a difference. But if you're here today and you're hurting and you feel hard or the thorns are choking you out or, or whatever is stopping you from wanting to take your next step with Jesus, please, please don't leave today without stopping at our Connection Center and having a conversation about whatever those immediate needs are in your life and let this church step into the mess with you. In a second, I'm going to pray. We're going to end a little bit different. But after I pray, I want you guys to get up, walk out those doors, and engage with the things that are in our lobby and in our cafe. You can engage this way, where our social workers in our our town have given us this information about families and children. There are 400-plus tags on that tree, each representing a child and a family that has wants and needs that we can step into and help break that ground so that they are more open to hear the gospel. There are 100 food boxes out there that we can step into and make sure a family can eat so that they can close the gap and be able to hear the truth. 
There are partners in our cafe that we already know that are doing this work. They're breaking the ground and pulling up the roots and doing what needs to be done. Go to them and find out how their mission can become your mission. In the back of our cafe, in the very, very back of our cafe, we are launching something that we are calling the Mission Store because what we come to find out is that our partners, those both locally and globally, have needs that they need to help move their mission forward. And we want our church to be a place that will invest its resources in that. Go to the back and invest your resources in diapers for new life or projects in Guinea or places that we can serve in West Africa. It is a beautiful way for our church to begin to break up the soil and pull up the roots. I believe that's the kind of church that we are, that we want to be. We are the workers that Jesus prayed for. So workers, let's pray together now. And then we're going to go. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the word that we are called to be workers, that you prayed for so long ago when, when Matthew and Mark and Luke were there to hear you and answer your request for them to pray for us. That today would be the day that those who follow you and are on the path to being fully devoted to you and those that are just getting to know you would step into the mess of somebody else's life to show them the way to be open to that perfect, precious seed, the gospel. We might not see the harvest, but you will. But we have to be willing today. Put that on our hearts today. We have to be willing today to step out the doors and take children off of those trees or families off of those trees, to take boxes to the store and fill them up, to go to the cafe and interact with the people who you have called to do your work. But beyond that, God, we also have to be willing to step across the street with our neighbors or people in the stores or people where we work because they also have the same issue and you see them all as good soil. Help us to help remove the conditions and circumstances that make it hard for them to see you, walk with you, and follow you. Thank you for doing that in our lives. Thank you for sending people into our lives that help us be able to do that in others. We thank you for all of those things that you've done, and it's in your son's name that we pray and we answer your call to go work. Amen and amen. I will see you guys out there.